on the field and inside the clubhouse. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Now broadcasting live from American Family Field, here's Dominic Catronio. Exhale and buckle up. We got a race now, y'all. Wow. Five to one Brewers. That doesn't even begin to tell the story of this one tonight. Keep in mind, the Brewers never lost the lead in this game. It got tight. It got stressful. And because they never lost the lead, Brandon Woodruff, a well-deserved victory, and he sets a Brewers franchise record in the process. His fourth consecutive game with at least 10 strikeouts. He earned every pitch of this win. The Brewers went 5-1. to one. 13th victory of the season for Woodruff. He's 13-4. His ERA is down to 3.05. He's got one more start. One more. He can maybe get that below three. Stare at a 2.99 all offseason. That'll make you feel good. Six shutout innings from Brandon Woodruff. Just five hits. They were all singles. One walk, 10 strikeouts. He threw a total of 98 pitches. 69 were strikes. It got tense. It got scary, but the Brewers never lost the lead. And get this, the Brewers won this game 5-1 to one without a home run. Just their 18th win without a home run hit. They are 18-28 and 28 when they don't hit a homer. They go up against a guy that doesn't walk anybody, that doesn't allow homers, and is left-handed in Jose Quintana. They rise to the challenge. They get just enough out of him. They get one run to get the lead. They added another against the bullpen in Chris Stratton. It held them through that seventh, and then they added the insurance they needed in the eighth inning. I want to hear from you all tonight. 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. That's the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and text line tonight. This race is officially on. The Phillies lost to the Cubs 4-2. So in the standings, the Brewers are just a half game back. One back in the loss column, equal in record in wins. One back in the loss column. The Phillies have a doubleheader on Saturday. And now, tomorrow, any day for the rest of the week, until that doubleheader, tomorrow and Friday, a win and a loss, and all of a sudden, the Brewers are finally on the right side of that if the playoffs started today bracket. The Phillies have now lost nine of their last 12. The Brewers, yes, they've lost a couple of head scratchers, but they are playing better baseball as of late. It doesn't feel like it, you know, when you're inside of it, uh, you know, you can't see the tree, you can't see the forest when you're inside the trees kind of thing. I don't think I might have messed up that phrase, but you get the point. The Brewers have been playing better. They're not playing lights out baseball. There's no question about that. But the Brewers found a way to get it done. They're hanging in there. And now with one week to go, seven more games. No sense in abandoning ship now. That's why you play 162 games. Bats woke up tonight in the later innings. They won without a homer. I thought that was huge. I thought Brandon Woodruff was huge. We can talk about the bullpen. We can talk about Craig Council's move of bringing Devin Williams in. I loved it. Maybe you want to talk about Matt Bush coming into the game. I want to hear from you. 855-616-1620. To Mike in Colorado. And the beat goes on. This game was setting up to be another heartbreaking late loss. 
but it was the Brewers' offense that answered the bell in the eighth inning, making it 5-1. The big double play in the seventh by Adamas, Wong, and Rowdy might have saved the Brewers' season. Wow. What a play. It was great. We'll hear it in a little bit on the highlights from Lane Grindle's call. I don't know why Willie was glove-flipping that. He had a very slow third baseman running in Juan Yepes, but Willie, a flair for the dramatic as always. It was a bad glove flip, and thank goodness for Colton Wong saving the day with the bare hand falling off, just kept his toe on the bag, throws it over to first base. Rowdy with a good stretch, never was really in danger. I don't know if he picked it or not. It might have been just barely skidded into the, into the glove, but he handled that perfectly. That double play is what you're going to circle if the Brewers do something special in this final week, as that's the play that could catapult them forward. Three games is all you're asking against these Cardinals. And by the way, I know the Brewers had to watch the Cardinals celebrate yesterday here. The season series head-to-head for St. Louis and Milwaukee finishes at 10-9. and Just one series. Every other series, aside from the one a month ago in St. Louis, was an even series, as in a four-gamer or a two-gamer. So the one series win by the Cardinals... Back in St. Louis was the difference in this season series. These two teams match up really well. Cardinals win the season series 10-9. to And if the Brewers do get into that third wild card spot, they would be going to St. Louis next weekend. Keep that in mind because you might not be done with the Redbirds here this season. And you know what? To you know, draw up the script of saying, you know what? They had to celebrate on the Brewers field here at American Family Field. How satisfying would it be to shock them at their place and send Albert Pujols and Yadier Molina into retirement maybe a a week or two earlier than they expected. But hey, there's still work to be done before that. More text here, one from Doug. Finally got to the half game mark. I don't know about you, but this is starting to look like it's meant to be. Signs are there. The Adamas to Wong double play is the number one sign. Amazing. Second, Phillies are falling like a rock. Yeah, they are. And third, the schedules for both teams are favoring the Brewers. I'm not sure if they truly, completely favor the Brewers. The Nationals, they did beat the Braves tonight. They have been playing better baseball as of late. The biggest thing about the schedule, though, is that the Brewers are at home. They don't have to leave their time zone. They're fine. Whereas now, you look at Philadelphia, they'll be leaving the central time zone. They've got another game tomorrow, though, with the Cubs. Then they'll be going to the eastern time zone with the Nationals for four games in three days, and then they go back to the central time zone down in southern Texas to take on the Houston Astros. So they do have a little, you know, they they got travel. They got fatigue involved in this now. And at the end of the year, the last thing you want to do is get on a plane. The Brewers do have a benefit of being at home all this time. You paid it forward with those three straight three-city road trips. The Brewers are experiencing that benefit right now. We got a lot to get to, y'all. We're going to have... A show go all the way up to the top of the hour as well. I want to hear from you all. 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. Some baseball history happened tonight as well. Unless you live under a rock, Aaron Judge has tied Roger Maris. 61 home runs now in the to tie the American League record. He did that in Toronto, so the next homer will set a new record for the Yankees slugger. What a story it's been out there in New York. Brandon Woodruff sets a franchise record here. We're going to talk to Vinny Rotino about him. We're going to talk about the offense. We're going to talk about Craig Council. And we're going to talk about your texts and your calls and your tweets. You can tweet me at Dom underscore Catronio, D-O-M underscore C-O-T-R-O-N-I-O. 
R-O-N-E-O. And again, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line, 855-616-1620. More to come on the home of the Brewers, WTMJ. The 1-0 offering, and this is ripped into left center field for a base hit. Taylor around third. He's going to score. McCutcheon will stop at second. It's an RBI single for Hunter Renfro, and the Brewers are on the board. Get the win, 5-1. to one. Victor Caratini had a clutch ground rule double. Could have been a three-run double if it didn't go over the wall. But we're not going to only talk about the offense tonight. And there is still a lot to talk about with their approaches and getting the job done. Again, we want to hear from you on the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620, here on the home of the Brewers, WTMJ. I'm Dominic Catronio. Now with Vinny Rotino, former Brewer and Valley Sports Wisconsin analyst. we got to talk about the man of the hour who set a franchise record, Brandon Woodruff. Let me read you his second half uh, splits so far uh, here in the second half and how great he's been, especially since coming off of uh, the injured list. And I'll also give you his home games too. Since the All-Star break, Brandon Woodruff is 6-1 and one with a 2.33 ERA in 13 starts. He has thrown 81 innings. He has 99 strikeouts, and opponents are hitting 204 against him. If there were second-half All-Stars, he would be starting the second-half All-Star game at this rate. He has been unbelievable, and I don't use that word often. No, you don't. (laughs) He has been unbelievable because you didn't know what you were going to get dealing with Raynaud's syndrome and the ankle and... All right, well, he wasn't quite himself in the first month and a half. It wasn't that he was bad. He didn't know what you were going to get, and he has become a brand-new pitcher. And quite frankly, if the Brewers can line it up and get in in a game one, I'd give the ball to Brandon Woodruff right now. Oh, he's he's your game one. He's your game one playoff starter without a doubt. He is, he's been so big in big games. He's got – under a two ERA against playoff contending teams. He's pitched against the Cardinals three times now. He's pitched against the the, the Rays. He's pitched against the Yankees. He's pitched uh, – I don't think he pitched against the Mets. There's one other playoff team in there that he's pitched against that he's totally dominated. And he Yankees, is – yeah. He, what's that? Yankees. Yeah, said, yeah. I thought I said the Yankees. But he has been totally dominant – in big games, and that's what he does. And then not only in big games, but in big spots in those big games, he executes pitches over and over and over again. Um, he got out of jams in the third and in the sixth. Um, three nasty change-ups to, to uh, Burleson in the sixth. Um, I mean, he's got weapons. He's got multiple weapons. He actually, he's got reverse splits. So he dominates left-handed hitters because that fastball is so explosive. And then that changeup, he has just refined that thing. Like you wouldn't believe. And it's such a weapon for him. And then tonight he had the curveball working slider still, still there. And it was a great pitch tonight, but I mean, talk about, like you said, Dom second half all-stars. If you could hand over a second half Cy Young, he would certainly be in that conversation. Is there a mental gap or a mental feeling of having a sub three ERA because here's what's ahead of him in his final start of the year which is currently scheduled uh looks like right now to be uh Tuesday against the Diamondbacks if I'm not mistaken that he would need to go either six shutout innings he can allow two runs over seven innings or one run over seven innings and he will have a sub three ERA is there anything psychological about staring at that all off season long 
Yeah, no, there definitely is. It's just like a, a hitter hitting 300, right? If you hit 299, you have to stare at that all offseason as opposed to you know hitting 300. Same thing for a pitcher. Um, I don't think Brandon Woodruff is going to be consciously worried about that in that start because he is such a winner. This guy is focused on winning so so much. So, um, but after the season's over, he's certainly going to look at that the back of that baseball card. Or virtual baseball card, if they—that's I think what an NFT, they have as the kids say these days. <laughs> that he's going to be have to look at that for sure all off season. That'll definitely be uh, in the back of his mind, probably after the season is over. So, and I also want to correct myself here. If he goes on normal rest on his fifth day, it'll be Monday. Okay. So he would start game one of the series against the Diamondbacks, which is currently slated to be against Zach Gallen. Uh, which will be another ace-off. His Friday, we're having an ace-off with Alcantara versus Burns, which will be awesome too. But, you know, you, you can celebrate this win, but there is another hurdle approaching. Middle relief continues to be an Achilles heel for the Brewers. Matt Bush, another home run allowed tonight. You had to use Devin Williams for an inning and two-thirds in the seventh and eighth inning. Obviously, the Brewers got insurance, but you would have had Brad Boxberger in a save situation, in a one-run game in the ninth inning if the Brewers didn't get that insurance they got. They need to figure something out to make sure they get it to Devin Williams because it is once again clear, Devin's in one of his modes where he looks unhittable. He looks unhittable, and it's probably not off the table to have Devin Williams kind of ready for two-inning type saves from here on out. Obviously, you're going to have to give him rest in between those two inning saves uh, situations. So he pitched, obviously, five outs tonight in the middle of the game. Um Council's just going to deploy him however and whenever he can. But, yeah, I mean, Strezlecki's pitched really well. They talked about perhaps Aaron Ashby pitching out of relief. Maybe he comes in. I think I think pretty much all hands are on deck besides the people besides the starters that are scheduled to start in these games. But all hands are on deck. It sounds like Freddie Peralta is going to be available out of the pen. Aaron Ashby's going to be available out of the pen. But right now you can probably trust, you know, Milner – Got Boxberger and Williams and Strezlecki. I, I again, I I'm with you. I, Bush w- didn't have it tonight. The velo's a little bit down. The command's a little bit off, um, and and they definitely have to figure that out in the middle. And for the Brewers, looking ahead, they're they're just rolling with four starters right now. They brought up Justin Topa Day to replace Adrian Hauser with his strained groin, a righty that can give you length out of the bullpen. He can give you two innings out of the bullpen. It's not ideal to have a bullpen day, but they're headed full steam ahead to a bullpen day on Sunday. You don't know how long you're going to get out of Eric Lauer tomorrow. Uh, If it wasn't for all the walks, he would have gone deeper into that game against Cincinnati. And it all sounds like he can and is available to go five, maybe get into the sixth inning if his pitch count's tidy enough. But Sunday, you're staring at another bullpen day, and the Brewers cannot survive this final week just doing a bullpen day every other day. They cannot. Um, I mean, you said it, Dom. Eric Lauer's got to go, in my opinion, at least five. Mm -hmm. Um, He pitched 66 pitches, I believe, last time out. He was 39 pitches in the first. He was knocking the rust off. He he clearly wasn't synced up. His pitches were kind of all over the place. He was close to the zone, but he was just kind of around the zone. Um, it's big for him to be in the zone tomorrow. Now, listen, the Marlins are hitting 217 as a team. That is dead last in baseball since August 2nd. That's that's the trade deadline. That's kind of what you look at. That's the, the team that you roll with. So the last couple of months, the Marlins are the worst offense in baseball, scoring 2.88 runs per game. Uh, it's almost a full run worse than the 29th-ranked team in scoring runs per game. So this team is not scoring runs. Eric Lauer Definitely needs to get in the fifth against the Marlins. When you look at the Marlins, too, they have been 
decimated by injuries. Their pitching obviously takes a story. They do play in a ginormous ballpark. Don Mattingly is in a lame duck session as the manager. He's already announced that he will be stepping down at the end of the season. Jazz Chisholm has been hurt for the year. Miguel Rojas has not been performing like they had hoped for Miguel Rojas as their everyday shortstop. The lone veteran, really, on this team. Avi is hurt. You won't see Avi Garcia this weekend. And I tell you what, uh, I, I saw a lot of Brewers Twitter worried about why are you letting Avi walk? Why are you letting Avi walk? Uh, you, I mean, the Brewers called it. Yeah. And I know... You know, you can't just sit here and say, oh, I told you so. In hindsight, it's twenty twenty. But, like, the Brewers deserve a little bit of credit of seeing that coming and letting Avi walk, not paying him that kind of cash, and going to get a guy like Hunter Renfro. I mean, could you imagine right now? Big difference in player right there. Just the mindset, I think, of the player. Not to not to throw too much shade on Avi Garcia. You're just right. not, not the winning type of player that is going to help this ball club. He did last year. It was a contract year. Uh, he's hurt a lot. So I, I definitely agree with you, um, Dom. It, that was a good no sign. You are going to have a tall task on Friday. It's going to be one of the best pitching matchups in all of baseball. You know, probably this year's Cy Young and Sandy Alcantara against last year's Cy Young and Corbin Burns with playoff implications for the Brewers. I mean, sign me up. What, I mean, we can briefly touch on Sandy before we kick it to a break here. Sandy Alcantara, Brewers didn't get to see him down in Miami earlier this year, but we've seen it from afar. He's going, he's got the most complete games in baseball. He throws 98 miles an hour in the ninth inning. He's a classic 90s era flamethrower in 2022. Yeah, think about what you saw from Hunter Green uh, from Cincinnati. You know, the big fastball, huge fastball, kind of still unrefined. That was Sandy Alcantara five, six years ago, right? So now this kid has learned how to pitch. He's learned how to command his stuff. It's a sinker. It's 55% ground balls or better, plus uh, the strikeout stuff as well. He's got – so – the Brewers are going to have their hands full, without a doubt. Um, here's the thing. the Pack this place. Yeah. Come out, pack this place. Um, the Brewers are half a game back. The Brewers definitely need the energy from the fans. Fill this thing up. Get standing room only. Do whatever you got to do because it'll be fun to watch this team uh, in this playoff race here the last seven what? Seven games. Seven more games. Seven more games. Yeah. I know. They all, we're I know. almost there, man. <laughs> Stay with us. We got more to talk about with Vinny Rettino. We want to hear from you. 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. More to come on the home of the Brewers, WTMJ. What a win for the Brew Crew. 5-1 to one the final tonight. The race is on. Half game back. Phillies lost tonight. Brewers have seven games remaining. Phillies have eight games remaining. I'm Dominic Catronio. Vinny Rotino is still with us for another segment here. 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talking Text Line. Vinny, w- without the pitchers hitting anymore, we've talked about this for a long time now. Craig Council's advantage over other managers, you know, being able to tangibly push buttons and see a track record of knowing who to bring in, knowing what arms come in, when to pull off the double switch. You lose that art, but there's still a pulse held by the manager on when his team needs a big move. And look, Matt Bush didn't have it tonight in the seventh inning. He gives up the homer to the Andrew Kisner, the backup catcher, gives up a double to the nine-hitter Ben Deluzio, and then falls behind and walks Dylan or, uh, walks Brendan Donovan. So... In the blink of an eye, 
he has to go and get Matt Bush for Devin Williams. I think everyone was shocked by that. Uh, Lars Newtbar had Camp coming and pinch hit. Things were getting crazy, and he trusted Devin Williams so much that when he fell behind 2-0 on Newtbar with Yepes on deck, he said, you know what, intentional walk. I want my guy to face Yepes because I know he's not going to walk him. He still got to a 3-2 count, but this was an example of Craig Council once again pushing the right buttons and Devin Williams rec- you know, stepping in, doing what Devin Williams doesn't matter if it's the ninth inning, the second inning, or the seventh inning like tonight. Man, what what a combo that it all worked out. You know what? He he could see so far ahead that he knew that Lars Newbar was probably going to be pinch hitting in that th- in that three hole. And that's when he got Devin Williams hot. He got him hot quick. And he knew that Matt Bush didn't have it that tonight either. So he had to say, "Okay, we need strikeouts and we need a ground ball." That's he got the he actually got two ground balls. He got a a, a ground ball to Dylan Carlson, that was a, a great changeup that he threw. Dylan Carlson rolled over as a productive out because he ended up moving the runners from first and second to second and third. Now, that's where you said, Dom, that he, he walks Lars Newbar. Now bases loaded, Juan Yepes. He, and then Devin Williams made an unbelievable pitch 3-2. He yanks a fastball 2-2. I, knew, I, I said it in the press box. I said, hey, everybody – and I announced it. I said I got on the mic on um, <laughs> on Jack on Jack's mic <laughs> that announces the pitching changes. Um, that a changeup is coming. I think everyone knew a changeup was coming. Juan Yepes knew a changeup was coming, but you have to execute it. He executed it, got the ground ball double play. What a play by Colton Colton Wong to stay on the bag and then throw him out. But yeah, like you said, Dom, the the buttons that Craig Council's been pushing the last week or two have really stood out, and he's he's really playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers. And and I know people. I see it on Twitter. I see it. And look, just because a guy doesn't do his job, say a Matt Bush, right? Just because. Taylor Rogers have had his struggles. They're your guys. Yeah. You need to use them. Otherwise, you're relying on a guy who's thrown more innings than he ever has in his career in Hobie Milner, another guy who's also thrown a ton of innings over the last few years in Brad Boxberger, a rookie who was not even in the Cactus League this year. <laughs> wasn't He was in AAA three months ago in Peter Strezlecki. Uh, you've got Justin Topa coming back from major elbow surgery. You've got... Uh, Trevor God, who's coming back from a couple of injuries, who hasn't pitched in high leverage like this, trying to get it to Devin Williams. Because you know now Devin is back into that 2020 mode of Devin where he'll throw multiple innings because they need him to throw multiple innings. And the Brewers just aren't as deep as they think in the bullpen right now, which is why Brandon Woods of six innings reigns so huge to keep them ready for tomorrow and fresh enough for tomorrow. But this is a team that by the sum of its parts – is great, as opposed to what we've seen in the last couple of years, maybe of inning rolls, like, oh, seventh inning, it's over. They're a team now that you may see two, three in, inning relievers in an inning because of what they need and because of matchups, and just say, hey, you're going three straight days. Be ready to go, dude. Yeah, it's not scripted out like in the past, right? In the past, even early on in the year when they went off, got off to the best start in franchise history in the first 50 games, the script was what? They would get out to an early lead. They would hit a home run or two. They would have their really good starting pitching, go five or six innings, hand it off to Boxberger, hand it off to Williams, hand it off to Hayter, game over, and that was as easy as it gets, kind of easy to manage that kind of game. Now Craig Council, again, he's thinking along – um, with with multiple different scenarios during the game, obviously with Devin Williams tonight, 
uh, and getting him hot in the seventh. That was such a, a, a big move. And then this is the other thing that Craig Council, everyone has to take note of what he's been able to do. This team has been kicked down yes. a little bit. This team has been kind of beaten down a little bit, not only by injuries, but just just not playing good baseball. That will beat you down, and that is not easy to do and, and, to, and to get behind. Craig Council has kept an even keel about himself, and, and it'd be very easy. It could have been very easy at some point during this season for Craig Council to kind of give up, not not consciously, not say anything out loud, but I've seen it a million times. I've seen managers kind of give up, and the, the team gives up on the manager. Manager gives up on, on the team, vice versa. He hasn't done that. He's kind of towing that line, walking that tight, tight rope of, of getting them exactly where they need to be in order to make a run. And this is, this is, where, it's, this is where the buck stops, right here, here and now, these last seven. And, and Council's got them poised to at least make a run. One more thing on Council, too, yeah. and this will lead us into the offense. He had the guts and the know and the feel – to give his $26 million man the night off and then still had the feel, say, hey, can you give me good at bat right now? Draws a bases loaded walk in Christian Yelich. Yelich is in a one for 26. There are not many managers that would have the guts to go. And look, I'm sure Yelich wanted to play. I'm sure there was a conversation had for everybody involved. Like, you should be playing Yelich. I mean, it, it's a con- like when I saw it a lot, I'm like, why the heck is Yelich not in the lineup? And yes, you had a lefty on the mound, but you knew maybe he would be coming off the bench. But for Council to say, look, this dude needs a reset. This dude needs to have an app, an opportunity to catch his breath. Because one for 26 at a leadoff spot, that's catastrophic. And to give him that reset, maybe that walk is what you're going to circle for Yelich if he turns something on here down this week. I'm not saying he's going to hit 30 homers all of a sudden. But what I'm saying is, if he can get those good at-bats again, like we saw in August, early September... That could be something that'd be huge for this offense moving forward. Because you're gonna face righties, you're gonna need Yelich at the top of this order. This was an emotional win, and that was an emotional at bat for Christian Yelich, right? And so, what you need from from really the, the whole offensive group, really the whole team, is to have that emotional lift. They got that tonight. I thought that that at bat from Christian Yelich with the bases loaded. He's had some dead at bats lately, Dom. Yes. I mean, there's no sugarcoating it. One for 26. That is not fun to experience as a player. It's not fun for us to watch it. I'm sure it's not fun for his teammates to watch it. Um, it is what it is. That is a success. I mean, he got down 0-2 and he ended up walking in, in walking in the game. Yeah, that was a huge run, yep. right? It was an insurance run at the time, it, three huge, to one. Yeah, huge. So I think hopefully that might give Christian Yelich the lift he needs because he's going to be in the lineup tomorrow with with Braxton Garrett or righty on the mound. So keep that in mind. Uh, I want to get to the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you want to join in, eight five five. 616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. Uh, we've got Al on the line in Wabatosa. Al, what do you have for Brewers Extra Innings? Hey, guys. I have a question for you. I was at the game, and I was totally surprised. Um, in that seventh inning, second and third, Goldschmidt's coming up, and they pinch hit for the MVP player with Newtbar? I don't understand that logic. Yeah, it's fair fair logic, a fair question indeed, Al. Appreciate the call. Uh, I'll give my take on this, and you can give yours, Vinny. Uh, Ollie Marmol says, hey, and this is what Goldschmidt said pregame too. Goldschmidt said, hey, I want to face the best pitchers here down the stretch. I don't mind playing tomorrow. He was DHing, uh, as in after all the celebrations and everything. 
He wanted to face the best pitchers, and quite frankly, the Cardinals can improve, cannot improve their position. They will beat a three seed. They'll be hosting a wild card series. Don't get hurt. Hey, you got your three ABs again against Brandon Woodruff. I'm good. I think I think that's all it is. The Cardinals are in a weird scenario in that they don't necessarily need to win, and Lars Newbar has been really good as of late. And I'm not saying he's Paul Goldschmidt, obviously, but maybe the pre-constructed plan was, Goldie, can I get three at-bats out of you? And he said, sure, absolutely, and then it turned out to be in that situation. Yeah, no, that's exactly probably what, I mean, Nolan Arenado wasn't in the lineup, Albert Pujols wasn't in the lineup, uh, Paul Goldschmidt, like you said, Dom, just you know got the three at bats against you know Brandon Woodruff. They are in a weird spot. The Brewers were in the exact same spot last year where they already clinched with two weeks left to play. Uh, these games are totally meaningless for the Cardinals, like you said. Don't get hurt. Get their pitchers the innings that they need. Allow the you know the young kids maybe to show what they can do in Lars Newpar and Dylan Carlson and Brendan Donovan. Um, they're still playing good baseball, obviously competitive baseball. But yeah, I think uh, you know I think Goldie. You know, Lars needed the at-bat probably as well. So, again, to tune him up and continue his hot streak in the second half. But, yeah, it was definitely odd, but that was probably a scenario. All right, and this is my biggest stat. I said this as you walked in. The Brewers won a game without hitting a home run. They're now 18-28. and 28. 46 games, they have not hit a home run. They've only won 18 of them. Tonight's a game that proves they can do it. They can get a clutch hit. And from the bottom of their order, Tyrone Taylor had a good day. Victor Caratini's clutch double. These are the games that should be able to lift the top half of the order because they have been scuffling over the last few days or so, aside from Hunter Renfro in Cincinnati. If they can just find a way, Dom, to just extend at-bats, to have you know those, those seven, eight-pitch at-bats at times, just to kind of put a little extra pressure on the opposing pitcher – and also just catch a couple of breaks. Find some holes. We saw Andrew McCutcheon get a little blue pit. Mm-hmm. We saw some some blue pits. I mean, that does matter. It it, it lifts the dugout up. Um, but what do you got to do? You got to not strike out to do that. You got to put the ball in play, shorten up. You see the Cardinals do that all the time. You just wish that the Brewers, especially down the stretch here, and if they do make it in the playoffs, that's the approach they're going to have to take. They struck out 11 times to the Brewers, but they did draw six walks tonight, whereas the Cardinals, they struck out 14 times, 10 of those by Brandon Woodruff, again, setting a franchise record tonight, his fourth straight double-digit strikeout game. He earned this win, and the Brewers never lost a lead, so he doesn't get a no decision. Thank goodness for that. The race is on, Vinny. Half game back with seven games to go. What more could you ask for? This is going to be fun. Like I said, come out here and watch this team play. This will be exciting last seven games here at home. Help the Brewers. They, they need a little bit of shot in the arm with the energy from the crowd these last seven. And bring a Walkman and listen to Mr. Baseball while you're sitting here in the ballpark, too. All right, Vinny Rotino joining us here on the show. Thanks for your time, Vinny, and uh, get some rest. It's going to be a heck of a week down the finish. For sure. Good stuff as usual, Dom. All right, Vinny Rotino joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings. More of your texts, more of your calls, more of your tweets. Woo! Reacting from a big win for the Brew Crew. 5-1 to one the final tonight. 855-616-1620. If you want to call in, if you want to text in, i got a few questions to get to here as well. Don't go anywhere on the home of the Brewers, WTMJ. Brew Crew get back on track with a 5-1 to one victory tonight over the Cardinals. The season series is over with St. Louis. All that's left are the Marlins. And the Diamondbacks. And all seven of the games remaining are right here at American Family Field. You heard the man. You heard Vinny Rutino. Told you to come on out here and let's have some fun. Only a few more games. All right, there's a roof. You're going to play on time. There's nothing to worry about. Let's have some fun. 855-616-1620. Again, 
616-1620. You can text us. You can call us. You can tweet me at Dom underscore C-O-T-R-O-N-E-O, D-O-M underscore C-O-T-R-O-N-E-O. I was just looking at uh, some of the post-game sound and uh, seeing the reaction from the clubhouse, and I just wanted to point this out as we talk about Brandon Woodruff. Brandon Woodruff, in his scrum with the media, you know, he's he's back in his street clothes, and he's wearing a hat. He's wearing a, a, a nice golf hat. And I look a little closer. I'm like, wait a minute. I recognize that logo. It's one of the most recognizable logos in all of golf. He's wearing a Bell Reeve hat. And if you're not familiar with golf, Bell Reeve is a very famous St. Louis golf course. So did he roll into the ballpark wearing a St. Louis golf course hat, knowing he was about to set a Brewers franchise record against the Cardinals? If so, that is just chef's kiss. That's that's awesome for, for Brandon Woodruff. I don't I don't picture him as a petty guy like that. I bet it was a little coincidence, but it's a good-looking hat. Shout-out to Bell Reeve. Uh, phenomenal course, by the way, too. But anyway, Brewers get the win 5-1. to one. Let's get to some of these texts that are rolling in right now. Uh, I made a comment about, look, Taylor Rogers, Matt Bush, they are on the team. They need to pitch at some point because you are going to run out of arms. But this texture says, I don't want to see Matt Bush or Taylor Rogers in high-leverage situation ever again. I don't blame you. What I see moving forward for those guys, I see Taylor Rogers as a situational lefty. Maybe it's in the seventh inning, um, maybe not the eighth. If there's a lineup of back-to-back lefties and maybe nobody coming off the bench, you would bring in Taylor Rogers in that situation. Maybe not a full inning, but you're going to run out of arms. You're going to need those guys to pitch down the stretch, especially given you're going to be rolling with only four true starters to finish up this final seven days. You're going to need, I'm not saying they're going to close a game, but if you have them pitching the sixth or the seventh inning, and quite frankly, they're going to need to do their jobs. They're going to need to wake up because, look, Taylor Rogers has plenty to pitch for. He's an impending free agent. Matt Bush, he ain't going anywhere. He's under team control for another two years. So they would like to see him get back on track as well. There's no sense in, uh, you know, putting them in high leverage. I get that uh, as far as, oh, put him in the eighth and let him finish the eighth no matter what. No, I, I, we saw it tonight. Craig Council is not afraid, understanding that there is no tomorrow if you don't win today. And sometimes you got to just pull the guy when you thought you were going to be able to get out of it, and it didn't work out. But you're going to need those guys. Look, Strezlecki, he's still just a rookie. These are hard innings for him. Maybe we'll see a little more of Justin Topa, a little more of Trevor Gott. You're going to rely on Brad Boxberger a little bit here too. There is still variety available, but every time the Brewers have Burns or Woodruff starting, they will need length out of those guys. They need a guaranteed six closer to seven innings out of those guys down the stretch. So I understand you don't want to see them in high leverage. You need everybody in high leverage right now. Every inning is high leverage down the stretch. That's what the final week of the season is like. But I appreciate the comment here on the text line, 855-616-1620. Another texter asking, do you think it's fair to the Phillies that the Cardinals pulled Goldie with the game on the line? I don't care what the Phillies think is fair, man. Who cares what's fair to the Phillies? I'm just kidding. Look, the Phillies and the Brewers, let, let's say the, so when the Phillies go and play uh, the Cubs tomorrow, right? If Ian Happ gets pulled from the game with the game on the line, our Brewers fans will be screaming at David Ross like, oh my God, what are you doing? You re-put, you're in the bed now. You made your bed and now you have to sleep in it. As in, if you wanted to wait till the final week of the season to try to get into the postseason, you can't control what other managers are doing in their games against the team you're trying to chase. You can't control it. 
I got no. If I was the Brewers in that situation, if Ian Happ or Wilson Contreras or whomever gets pulled from the game with the game on the line, you could be frustrated. But it's just like, look, the Cubs got nothing to play for. They're going to be spoilers. They need to make sure they get keep guys healthy. Or somebody just, hey, we had a plan for this guy. We want to get we want to get a look at this kid who's coming up from AAA. That kind of stuff. You you can't control that. What you can't control is trying to play better earlier in the season so you don't have to rely on another manager's call for a garbage-time team trying to get at-bats from their young core in that situation. So is it fair? Who cares if it's fair? You play 162 games. All these things level out by the end of the season. But I did appreciate that text. I, uh, maybe, you know, maybe Phillies fans are frustrated about it. They're, they have a right to be frustrated, but at the end of the day, don't lose 8 out of 12 games, and you're not nitpicking about Paul Goldschmidt being pulled from a game that, quite frankly, he shouldn't even been starting. You should be more mad that, well, Nolan Arenado wasn't in the lineup, Yachty wasn't in the lineup, Pujols wasn't in the lineup, Newt Barr wasn't in the starting lineup. He's been playing better as of late. You know, there's there's other opportunities. There are other things happening there. And Newt Barr was still a good option. Newt Barr has been a really good player. And also, Goldschmidt wasn't having that great of a game. The squib hit he had, I, I think, just was a one-in-a-million found-a-hole, so be it. Had a couple of strikeouts. It is what it is, but I appreciate that text as well. 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620 here on the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The Brewers, they win 5-1. They're a half game back. It's a week ago, two weeks ago, would you have expected this? No, it's all you can ask for. It happens quickly. It happens quite frankly, in a way that the Brewers, they never lost the lead, but didn't it kind of feel like they lost the lead for a second there? Games like this should propel you forward. And you may have to generate your own energy coming up this week. Look, the Marlins are not very good, but you can't take them for granted. You can't. Look, there's natural juice in the ballpark when the Cardinals are here, right? There's excitement. There's opposing fans. There's things to get excited about. There's things that get your blood boiling. Maybe it'll be a softer crowd. I hope not, but maybe it'll be a softer crowd. It definitely won't be as a, you know, a divided crowd. With there won't be a, you know, a whole section of Marlins fans here this weekend. So you're gonna have to create your own energy. You have to create your own excitement, and then over the weekend, I imagine it will be rocking for the final weekend here at home this season. So don't fall into the trap of playing down to your opponent. That's what's ahead this week for the Brewers. We're going to hear from Craig Council in just a little bit. We're going to relive some highlights a little bit later on in the show. We're going until the top of the hour, until midnight. Stay with us. Stay up late. I'm not tired. we got more baseball to talk about here on the home of the Brewers, WTMJ. It's a 5-1 victory tonight for the Brewers. They're a half game back in the standings, one game back in the loss column. A reminder, though, if the Phillies and the Brewers remain tied, The Phillies would get in based on season-long tiebreaker of the head-to-head season series. The Brewers need to get ahead of them. They're not ahead of them yet. And the Phillies have one more game. They have a doubleheader on Saturday. They have eight remaining. The Brewers have seven remaining. And in case you're wondering about the Padres, they're playing the Dodgers right now. That game is scoreless as advertised. Julio Urias versus Joe Musgrove. Musgrove only went five, though. He had four walks and eight strikeouts. Urias went six with two walks and five strikeouts. They're both scoreless. Now it's a battle of bullpens. Still scoreless in the bottom of the eighth inning between the Padres and the Dodgers. Basically, at this point, as long as San Diego wins, they're going to be looking good to at least get closer to a playoff spot. They're, as of now, 
three games clear of Sandy, of uh, Philadelphia. They can move to three and a half games clear of Philadelphia by the end of the night with only eight games remaining. So every day that goes forward, they're in good shape, and they're currently uh, three and a half, technically four and a half up on the Brewers uh, here down the stretch. So the Phillies have lost four in a row, eight of their last 12. The Brewers are firmly in this race. 855-616-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's hear from the manager, though, before we get to more of your text, more of your calls as well. The manager, Craig Council, after a 5-1 victory tonight. He, he did a heck of a job. I mean, that was a really tough spot to come into. Um, you know, and, and made, an, made a great pitch, 3-2. Um, Colton made a heck of a play on the double play, too. Um, maybe a little... Don't want that to go unnoticed, but that was a heck of a play by Colton. Woodruff has given you so many starts like this, but it was exactly what you needed tonight to set the tone, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, he just he continues to pitch really well. Um, you know, the, the changeup is, is a really good pitch right now. Um, and uh, I, th- I thought his curveball was a really good pitch tonight as well. So his, his both off-speed offerings, outstanding. And, you know, he's going to bring the great fastball and um, pitch really well for sure. What's the feeling going into a game like this, knowing you're giving the ball to Woody? Well, I mean, we know Woody's going to put up a great effort. Uh, we know he loves to be in these games. Um, and, and you're going to get a bunch of zeros, and, and you got a good chance to win when he's on the mound. Craig, at the bottom of their order, I think it was 98 pitches. How much discussion was there about one more inning and delaying the ball? No, I mean, he, I, he was done. Yeah. From a like of fatigue? Standpoint, you just saw it in the sixth, or yeah. I mean, I thought we, we you saw the fastball velocity creep down a little bit, and that's that's always a it's always a good sign with Woody. Those extra runs uh, were, were important, starting with Yelich O2 to come back and walk after sitting on the bench all night. That's another kind of tough spot there. Yeah, I'm good. Just good at bats in the eighth inning over everybody. I mean, to get in that situation, Rowdy had a good at bat against the lefty. Um, you know, we had we had the double. Colton leads off and gets on. So, um, bunch of good at bats that inning. Um, you know, Yelly gets down 0-2 and, and works a walk. Uh, Vic's got two strikes and hits the double. So, um, a lot of good at bats, and obviously it makes the ninth inning a completely different inning. You're watching the game in front of you, obviously, but when you catch a glance on that scoreboard in the outfield, that you know the Phillies lose. Like, does that? Add a spark in the dog, but does that do something for the guys where it's still just business as usual? No, we, I mean we got to we got to take care of the game at hand. Um, you know, we we know what's going on, but we're, we we got to take care of our our job, and um, that, that's that's always going to be the focus. Craig, with, with Matt Bush, the, the I think we've asked you about Taylor Rogers too, kind of the home run being a bugaboo. It, it, has that been kind of with Bush? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it, both guys. You know, unfortunately, they've not given up a lot of homers, and um, you know, unfortunately, it's happened a little bit. Um, you know, we're going to continue to rely on Matt. We're going to continue to rely on Taylor, um, and and know that they can get out. Based on track record, or just sort of what you need to get through all these games? Yeah, I, both. Yeah, both. Why not? 
Just get both. <laughs> Pretty simple from Greg Council there. Post game in this one. Brewers win by a final of 5-1. to one. We're going to go to the Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line right now. Al in Illinois. You also have some thoughts about uh, the Cardinals and maybe, or uh, sorry, Bill in Illinois uh, talking about the Cardinals and maybe their uh, motives tonight, Bill? Uh, yes, I have a question. How would the Brewers feel if they were playing the Cubs and the Cardinals were playing Philadelphia? And with runners on second and third, they pull out Goldschmidt. I mean, to me, it really is an embarrassment to the game and the integrity of the game. And you can say they need rest or whatever, but they have tomorrow off, and then they have six games against the Pirates. It just tarnishes the game. And I played all the way through college. If I played for that manager, I wouldn't play for him again because he didn't try to win the game. I disagree with you there, Bill. I disagree with you there, Bill, just because – the Cardinals don't have anything else to prove. They already were sitting other players. There's probably a pregame setup saying, hey, you're probably going to get three at-bats here today, Goldie. It turned out into that situation. The other thing you're saying is that Devin Williams is definitely going to give up a hit to Paul Goldschmidt. I don't see that happening personally. You're saying no, it's automatic It's automatic that he's going to fail. I didn't say that. You did. I just want well, I, to see I'm, the best players in that situation come to the plate. I understand. I understand that frustration. But the, I think the thought no, with I'm the Brewers... Frustrated. No, I'm not frustrated. I'm a Brewers season ticket holder. It just leaves a bad taste in your mouth when you don't play the game to win in that situation. Because if I were a Brewer fan, they were playing the Cubs, and the Phillies were playing the Cardinals, I'd feel the same way. I would feel that the Cardinals didn't give the best effort to win that game, and that's baseball. You give the best effort. I mean, I remember somebody, they proved a home run in, in an all-star game to somebody, and everybody was offended by that. So I'm offended, and I really think that in that situation, one more bat for Goldschmidt isn't the end of the world. And if they need to rest, he rests tomorrow, and he can rest six more games. But that's not what they're going to do. I think at that point, they should have tried to win the game. And if Devin Williams got him out, more power to him. That would be the situation I wanted to see. Not My- and Nothing against the guy that came up, but you have maybe an MVP candidate here sitting down. Well, well, then my one my one quick follow-up, Bill. Then, if he's resting against the Pirates, are you saying that they're not trying to win against the Pirates then too? They don't have anything to, at that point. The Pirates aren't competing for a playoff position, and today the Phillies were competing for a playoff. It always used to be that way. You go back thirty years, and there weren't this large uh, turnovers on the trade deadline. So you tried to play in in teams that were playing for playoff position at the time. You played your players that are, give you the best chance to win. 
Well, I appreciate the call, Bill, but I think the Pirates would want to win as many games as they can, even though they are out of the postseason. They are their young core. I don't think anyone would get offended by it just because everyone knows how long the season is. I, I do think there was a pre-made contingent with Ollie Marmol and Paul Goldschmidt saying, hey, I want three at-bats tonight. It shook out to be a big situation. I mean, Goldie was already in his hoodie. It wasn't like he was pulled back from the on-deck circle. It looked like it was already a preset deal. And he was DHing tonight, so that's another thing. He wasn't even playing defense tonight. He's a gold glove caliber first baseman. But to the first part of the question, though, again, I do appreciate the call, Bill. When you talk about the fact that, oh, should the Phillies be offended? Would the, would the Brewers be mad if... The Cubs, like if they were chasing the Cubs and the Phillies sat Bryce Harper for an at-bat, I look back to it's a 162-game season. If you're begging on one at-bat in a 162-game season, that means that there are other at-bats that you've given up down the road that if you're so reliant on this one at-bat, you just don't have a leg to stand on. It's like, oh, that was the... like. They still had opportunities. I look at the eighth inning. They could have kept the Cardinals, could have kept it a one-run game. They brought in Gallegos. They brought in their main guy. They brought in their secondary closer when it's not Helsley. They brought in Gallegos to try to keep that game close, and they still couldn't get it done. The Brewers executed. So I wouldn't say the Cardinals threw this game. They still brought in some A-arms. They brought in Quintana pitched well. He went five innings. I understand the frustration uh, if it was the other way flipped. If the Brewers be like, well, what the heck? Why are you pulling that guy? But in my opinion, this is a A-OK move because the Cardinals, they can't improve. They cannot improve being the three seed. Goldschmidt, quite frankly, has been kind of running out of gas in September. His splits in September have not been great as opposed to what he's been all season long. And I know the full body of work talks about things. And you look like, oh, he could be a triple crown winner. He's fallen off in batting average. He's only hitting two thirty eight here in September. Uh, he's got two homers in this month as opposed to in 22 games as opposed to not having fewer than five in a month. He had one homer actually in April, I beg your pardon. But he was still hitting three or 282 in that month. So this has been his worst. Worst month of the season. Ollie Moore Moore said, hey, let's get you three at-bats. Maybe he has the day off tomorrow. But again, if I were the Brewers and the situation was flipped, I personally would not be mad at one at-bat in a season of 162. Thank you for the call. Thanks for getting me going. We're going to go to the highlights coming up next, though. More to come here on the show. Home of the Brewers, WTMJ. Ready for this? Get up! This? Get up! And this? Time for tonight's highlights. Here's Dominic Catronio. The Brewers had a big task ahead of them tonight. They had to figure out a southpaw in Jose Quintana, who they've seen plenty of over the years. And they had to make sure Brandon Woodruff stayed hot. He's been one of the best pitchers in the second half, and that was clear right from the jump. All three outs in the first inning were via strikeout. Two more in the third inning via strikeout. Then, with men on the corners in the third inning, trying to find a way out of a mini jam with the game still scoreless, Paul Goldschmidt at the plate, the National League MVP perhaps. Brandon Woodruff rose to the challenge. The 0-2 delivery to Goldschmidt. Swing and a miss. He struck him out. Fastball at 97 for strikeout number eight on the night. And we're only through two and a half. Eight strikeouts in three innings for Woodruff. He was on the cusp of history. More on that a little bit later. In the bottom half of the inning, the Brewers got a one-out double from Tyrone Taylor, a walk from Andrew McCutcheon put runners on first and second, but after Adama struck out with two outs, Hunter Renfro had to finally punch through with that hit with a runner in scoring position. 
The 1-0 offering, and this is ripped into left center field for a base hit. Taylor around third. He's going to score. McCutcheon will stop at second. It's an RBI single for Hunter Renfro, and the Brewers are on the board. The Brewers got to get out and run early in this one with the lead 1-0. Then the approach changed against Brandon Woodruff with the Cardinals. They started swinging earlier accounts. His strikeout numbers started to dwindle. We go now to the sixth inning. He gets a strikeout looking of Juan Yepes. Then a two-out single by Corey Dickerson. An error by the third baseman Mike Brasso put runners on first and second. Two outs. Alec Burleson at the plate. He strikes him out. That's ten strikeouts for Brandon Woodruff setting a new Brewers franchise record, his fourth consecutive game with 10 or more strikeouts, passing both Corbin Burns and Giovanni Gallardo. Congratulations to Brandon Woodruff. So the Brewers still leading 1-0. We go to the bottom of the sixth inning now. New left-hander on the game, Steven Matz. He walks Rowdy Telezo, the guy he was in to face, then has to face Keston Hira. But wait, they go to a, er, then they have to go to Keston Hira, who... Wait a minute, he has reverse splits. He doesn't hit lefties well. Well, to heck with the numbers, Keston was there for the play. Swings and lines one to the gap in left center. All the way to the wall. Here comes Urias. Around third and holding there is Rowdy Telez. And Keston Hira delivers with a big two-out double. That made it 2-0 with Mr. Baseball, Bob Uecker, on the call. But now things got dramatic in the seventh. Woodruff out of the game. Matt Bush in, gives up a leadoff homer to Andrew Kisner. It's a one-run game. Then a double by Ben Deluzio. Then a walk to Brendan Donovan. The last batter he faced was Dylan Carlson, who grounded out. It put runners on second and third, only one out. Craig Council had to go to Devin Williams in the seventh inning for an early save. They go for an intentional walk to load the bases and facing Juan Yepes with a full count. We saw the double play of the year. Ground ball to short. Adamas flips out of his glove to Wong for one. The turn to first is picked by Telez, and the Brewers get out of it. Oh, what a play by Colton Wong. It was a high flip, really an ill-advised flip from the glove by Adamas, but Wong staves today, leaning back to his right bare hands. Fires in time for the double play to get Yepes. All that momentum carried over to the bottom of the eighth inning. The Brewers drew three walks in the frame, including a pinch hit, bases loaded walk by Christian Yelich. But the big blow, the big insurance, coming from the backstop, Victor Caratini. Sent to left center and deep. Get in the gap. It is. And bouncing over the wall. Two runs will score on a double by Caratini. Two RBI double for Victor Caratini. That is our biggest play of the game. Obviously no homer tonight for the Brewers, but Caratini earns a ring of the bell on that swing. And don't forget, you don't have to wait till Christmas time to ring the bell and put money in the Salvation Army Red Kettle. Donate today at samilwaukee.org. That double made it 5-1 Brewers. Brad Boxberger slams the door in the ninth inning, and the Brewers win and move to just a half game back of a wild card spot against the Phillies. They win 5-1 to one tonight with seven games to go. The race is officially on. We'll wrap up the show after this on the home of the Brewers, WTMJ. This is Brewers Extra Innings on WTMJ. Brewers get a big win. Wow. Half game back, seven to go. Sign me up. We got a lot of Brewers Extra Innings to talk about this week. 
We'll be with you after every single game for the rest of the season. Uh, tomorrow, coverage begins for the uh, opener with the Marlins coming to town. First time the Brewers have seen the Marlins in uh, this ballpark since last May. Uh, in fact, the last time the Marlins were here, it was uh, Adrian Hauser hitting a home run off of Dan Castano. So uh, how fun would that be uh, to see that happen again? Uh, granted, obviously it's not going to happen again. You ever think about the fact that the DH is in the league and it kind of happens seamlessly now and maybe you wouldn't have had six innings or seven innings or great performances because you would have had the pitcher come up? Do you ever think about that? Just remind yourselves of that. National leaguers of like, oh, wait a minute. This is nice not having to worry about the pitcher coming up anymore. It's kind of nice. Uh, tomorrow... First pitch is, again, 6.40. Our coverage begins at 6.05 with the network pregame. I've got you for Brewers extra innings after the game tomorrow as well. Then on Friday, a little later start, it'll be a 7.10 first pitch on Friday. We've got coverage beginning at 6. It'll be Brewers warm-up. Greg Matzik will have you on Brewers warm-up. I've got you on Brewers extra innings on Friday. I've got you for warm-up on Saturday at 5. Uh, and then that game will have first pitch scheduled for 6-10, and I got extra innings on Saturday. And then Sunday, we got warm-up at noon, first pitch scheduled for 1-10, and then I've got the Brewers extra innings after that game, and then we'll lead you into uh, Green Bay game day post-game after that one as well on Sunday. So a lot of baseball to figure out here. The Phillies still have one more game with the Cubs coming up tomorrow uh, as that series gets ready to wrap up. The Brewers got a brand-new four-game set coming up with these Marlins. Tomorrow, it'll be Eric Lauer getting the ball, the left-hander, against Braxton Garrett. And then Friday's the real ace competition. Corbin Burns against Sandy Alcantara. That will be epic to watch. I mean, the reigning Cy Young against who will likely be the new Cy Young. A whole lot of fun on Friday night here at the ballpark. Brewers have Saturday listed as TBD in this one. Uh, Saturday, it'll be Edward Cabrera, one of the young prospects for the Marlins in that one. And then on Sunday, also TBD for the Brewers, it'll be Pablo Lopez, the changeup specialist, who's been a little struggling in the second half going for the Marlins to finish out that series. Fun show tonight. Thanks to everybody who's bearing with us as we move into the avenue. It has been a, a fun couple of days seeing all of our coworkers get into our new digs here in downtown Milwaukee right off of Wisconsin Avenue. So we're still working it all out. It's going to be great. Podcast to come as well. I had a few folks tweet about that. Stay patient with us. We're working it all out. I promise it will come soon. Brewers win 5-1 to one tonight. For our studio, back in our studio, Tom, uh, Tommy Wirtz, I'm Dominic Catronio. Thank you so much. Until next time, keep on swinging.